Hello and welcome to another episode of 90 Hayden Road, the podcast that focuses on all things Hopkinton and Hopkinton High School. My name is Evan Bishop. I am the principal here at the high school. And, and I may have mentioned this before. I, I feel very fortunate. This is my 14th year here working at the high school and in the town of Hopkinton. I've spent some time as a guidance counselor, uh, as an assistant principal, and, and now as the principal. And it's a community that I've become very fond of for a number of reasons. We are amazing students, really supportive parents, and just an unbelievable community. And I think that that is what, to me, makes the town of Hopkinton so special, that feel of community in the pull that everybody really wants the schools and the town to be successful. Um, and I grew up on a town uh, north of Boston um, and had a wonderful uh, upbringing and it was a great school system, but it didn't have the same feel of community as Hopkinton does. And, um, and that's why I really enjoy working here and, and, and serving the students and, and parents. And what to me is really special is when you have some of the students that you've worked with that have graduated from this high school and uh, go on to two or four year colleges or, or, or into the workforce. And, um, but then decide that they want to give back and come back to be teachers here at the high school. And on this episode, Josh had the opportunity to sit down with a few former graduates that have now dedicated their lives to coming back and helping some of our students as educators here at the high school. Both Brian Prescott, now a history teacher, and Kristen Murphy, formerly known as Kristen Baldiger, uh, one of our science teachers. And they talked about what life was like in Hopkinton back when they were in school uh, and some of the changes they've seen and why they've decided to get back into teaching and come back to HHS. So thanks, Evan. Uh, here with uh, Brian Prescott, one of our history teachers, and Kristen Baldiga-Murphy, one of our science teachers, the three of us, all Hopkinton High grads. And uh, we were, of course, excited to talk about why we came back and what life was like when we were students here in Hopkinton and just kind of give people an idea of you know, who was working in the building and what historical perspective they have uh, from Hopkinton High School. So maybe we'll start with Brian. We'll just get right into it. Let's let's talk a little bit about what we were like as students. Um, you know, what was your experience as a student at Hopkinton High School? So excited to hear what you have to say, Brian. Uh, thanks, Josh. Um, yeah, I loved Hopkinton. I, I really loved high school. I had a really great experience. Uh, being here as a teacher now, it's so funny. I used to, I've kind of gotten over it now, but walking by the locker that I had as a student was kind of surreal to me. That some other, some of the kid, whoever they are, they have my locker that I spent four years standing in front of doing not a lot. Uh, as a student, I, I definitely did not achieve my full potential, as I would, I think there's a nice way of putting it. But I had so much fun. The school was such a safe, you know, engaging environment. The teachers were great. And I think I try to model myself as a teacher off of some of the experiences that I had, you know, from some teachers who are now my coworkers, who I'm, I'm excited to, to call my coworkers. It was hard for that first year saying Michael instead of Mr. Sullivan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the hardest. What year did you graduate again, Brian? So I graduated in 2008. And... At that time, Mr. Bishop was my football coach, was a guidance counselor, and then, you know, Mr. Sullivan was my psych teacher, and I, you know, looked up to him as a teacher. And then, you know, when I got hired here, both of those individuals took me under uh, their wing and basically treated me as a as an equal pretty quickly, which I thought was I thought was a testament to the building in a lot of ways. 
That's cool. That's cool. Well, and uh, we're not going to be sharing transcripts uh, today, mainly because the uh, Miss Baldiga's <laughs> transcript would embarrass not just Brian and I, but pretty much Definitely everyone, mine. <laughs> everyone else Definitely in the building. Mine. So, Krista, can you talk to us about your experience as to when you graduated and you know what things were like? Yeah, I uh, I graduated in 2006, um, and it. It's probably not a surprise to my students, but I loved school. I think I was a pretty big nerd. I still love school. Um, and I think I mostly just loved being part of the Hoffington community, both outside the school and in the school. So I just remember feeling like the whole town was kind of rooting for us, whether it was our sports teams or whether it was my science fair project. <laughs> Maybe that's a, um, But I just felt like there was such great buy-in by the teachers and the parents and everyone around. And it had definitely that small town feel where I felt like people knew who you were and were excited for you and cared a lot about you and your and you finding your path and your success so it was a great place to grow up and i really loved going to school here um it the first couple of weeks it was kind of crazy to feel like you were back in that same spot and and to remember all those great memories with your friends and with your teammates some of those sports memories really came back pretty pretty hard those first couple of weeks where you're in the gym you're seeing the banners and those were definitely some um, fun to text old teammates and say like oh our banner's still up and do you remember that game and everything so that was great but um, I loved my experience here I also got hired by a department chair that was one of my favorite teachers at the high school so Valerie Latansky. Um, she was my science fair mentor and my chem teacher, and that's now what I'm doing here. So that's really fun to see how she inspired me to fall in love with the subject. And now she's a great coworker and friend and mentor. And I'm just like Brian said, I model a lot of my teaching off of the great teachers I had here. So I feel very lucky to be surrounded by great, great colleagues. I thought people actually um, made my transition to teaching here really, really supportive and nice at the beginning. So this was my third school I had been at, and I felt like it was so nice to know so many familiar faces and feel like everyone was there ready to help me. And I felt like everyone was kind of once again, rooting for me to be, be like, get settled and do well. And so it just made the transition really nice. Uh, and people have been great the whole time. So it's funny, both of you mentioned the same thing in terms of like the feel that was here and, and a, the confidence it gave you to kind of go on and, and keep working in, the, in this field and then to come back and feel it again the second time around, which, you know, I know that you both graduated in the uh, mid-2000s, and of course I was a student here in the early 90s where we weren't in this building, so it was a bit of a different situation. And before we get into that, I guess I was curious, how big were your classes? Like how many students did you graduate with? Uh, we can start with you, Brian. So my uh, graduating class was 248. I think I was dead set in the middle of the pack, just remarkably average. <laughs> but we had, you know, 250, so it was definitely fewer you know, students than we currently have. But I remember being in classes, you know, around 20 or 25. You know, I don't, I imagine the staff numbers might have been a little bit smaller, mm -hmm. but I definitely noticed the, the larger population in school. It's definitely a tighter environment. It's a little bit more cramped. Uh, there's a lot more room to walk around the hallways. That's you know, a good point, we yeah, because the building hasn't changed its size, but you, your class was 250. Kristen, do you remember how big your I class was I think we around? were roughly 225. I don't remember the – I'm very impressed with your <laughs> recall here. I was the class treasurer, so I should know this. I do not. Um, we were around 225, and, yeah, I, I don't notice a huge difference, but I think one thing that stuck out to me was I felt like our kindergarten class and our senior class were pretty similar. And I know some kids moved in and some kids moved out, but I kind of remember like if there was a new kid, it felt like there was one new kid on the first day of school. And then everybody kind of like took that person under their wing and there felt like there was a lot less in and out of students moving. Um, and that felt like a big change from 10 or 15 years ago that the kids that are in my kindergarten class picture are like some of the same kids that yeah. were on my like 
birthday party every year yeah. for a decade. So uh, it felt like the town was smaller because you knew everyone right from the start. Yeah, it's definitely grown. Now we're looking at classes in the, even in like 340 range, one of our classes is, which is, more. yeah. And, but in, compared to the, uh, Hopkinton in the early 90s, we had 66 kids. So yeah, I've seen the, the prom the, pictures in the, in the cafeteria or in yes, the gym. In the, yeah, in the uh, Walter Brown gym at the middle school, we decorated it. It took a week to decorate it for our prom. And I mean, we couldn't hold, <laughs> we have to rent out the largest prom facilities in the state yeah. now to host our dance in the spring. So certainly things have changed. Um, and there's just, uh, it, it's hilarious. But I guess my point in regards to 25 years ago, 15 years ago and today, I still feel like this community cares about its children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if you look at the size of our town population wise, we're still sitting in that like 15 to 17,000 person range, but we have class sizes the same as a community that has 30,000 residents. So everyone in town cares about kids. They did back in the 90s when we didn't have many people, we didn't have many kids. They did in the mid 2000s and they do as we're entering mm -hmm. into 2020. And I, I wonder if you, either of you have perspective on, you know, that what is it that, that drives that, like that, that great care level for kids, focus on education. And I guess we see it with the students that come into our school because they're so ready to learn. They're so excited. They say, th I know, teachers say all the time, they say mm -hmm. thank you when they leave the class. Yeah. So I, I, I wonder like perspective about this town, what do you think drives that? I, I don't know, I'm curious. I, I would say, cause my great grandparents, grandparents, parents, they've all grown up here. And you know, my family grew up when it was a much smaller community. My Mom graduated from this high school. My dad went to Keefe, but he grew up in Hopkinton. And so it was always a very small, you know, mostly Irish working class town where everybody knew everyone. My grandma always talks about, you know, the local doctor who would come and make house calls and they'd always go to Brown and Smith's and, you know, work there. And everyone knew everybody in the town. So I think they had that sense of camaraderie and that set the tone for the values of the community. This was the fabric in which everybody was gonna live and mold their families. Then when you see EMC come in in the mid 90s and the town grows tremendously, it still maintained that small town feel. I know that we had some bylaws on the town town books that said you can't open businesses with a drive-through, you can't change the, the downtown in certain ways because they wanted to maintain that culture. And I think even with all the changes, very different economic status now, different, you know, more diverse population, the core of the town is still the same, I would, I would say, and that has reflected in the high school. Yeah, and I think the culture of the school has been passed down for a long time now in terms of the types of student leaders that kind of dive into the traditions and, and shape the student body, school spirit, and the way that we treat each other. That feels like that's been very similar since the time you guys were here through our years, and then you see the the like class presidents now and the pep rally now and you feel like that same type of vibe comes from the students and I feel like that is a real testament to the types of leaders that the school develops at the younger grades and then they get here and they they make a really positive inclusive culture I, I think they try to and that's something the parents help with but also it just feels like it's a big part of the fabric of the school which is yeah. how I remember it too that it felt like our class really was all in together and those are some of my favorite memories from high school yeah I feel the same way I look at the class last year the class of 2018 was 10 years after the class of 2008, which I graduated in. Two great classes. Phenomenal. <laughs> like the two class of 2000, I think the class of 2008 was always seen as the greatest class ever to go through Hopkinton. But we were always wow, told. That's a bold claim. Maybe, okay. maybe it's a little. I don't know if there's a fact checker on here, but okay. Uh, okay. Slightly subjective. 
But a lot of people, our teachers always told us, you guys are so kind, you're so pleasant, like, you're just wonderful. And it, I felt like our, maybe similar to your grade, we had this cohesion. Everybody was friends with everybody else. You know, we were so polite to each other. Our leaders, the leaders of our grade, were always the kindest to quiet students, students with special needs, you know, kids who moved into the community, kids who were a little different. We were always, I felt, just so uh, welcoming. And I noticed that not just to focus on 2018, but because they were 10 years later, I thought that was so interesting that even after a decade, it's still kind of that same that same attitude where we're, we're welcoming, we're accepting of everyone. I still see that in the students here in the school still, you know, in the grades that are coming up. It's that same, those same values that the kids have. I think well, it's funny show. too, because, you know, having worked in different districts and, ex, you know, explored a little, uh, it, a Hopkinton High kid has friends that stay around, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think when you meet people from different communities and you talk about who your friend base is, I think a lot of people's friend base is transient. It depends on where they are or where they're working and so on. But I feel like Hopkinton kids really stay in that like core group and I I know that over the last weekend Thanksgiving Day weekend there was opportunity to get together and so many of my friends are raising their families in town because of the experience they had they want their children to have a similar uh, upbringing and um, so I I do feel like there's something in the water here that keeps us uh, together and you both have colleagues in your departments who I have vivid memories of as a a young person in Hopkinton Valachansky and Steve Simos who you know to your point earlier Kristen they create that culture that makes you feel comfortable, makes you feel welcomed, makes you feel able to take on challenges. And they've stayed throughout the years. And so like when that's who is bringing students in, when that's the experience that students are having, it feels so great. And then you go off and frankly, you go off to college and other graduate programs or work in other uh, fields. What they, and not just Steve and Val, but many other teachers have provided is this like place that's unique. You know, I've never felt the same way here in Hopkinton as I've felt in many other places. Uh, and so I feel like that's part of why I decided to, to come back. I really wanted to be a part of that special community. And it was funny because having been away for almost 15 years, I came back and it was within like the first two days in this role as an assistant principal where it was like, ah, what I had been searching for, the same standards, the same care level, the same interaction between adults and kids, it's still here. And it isn't everywhere else. And I think that that's uh, for us that are lucky enough to, to work in this field and then to be able to come back uh, at the school. I think that's pretty special. I think it's also made me a better teacher to to kind of remember what it was like to be a student. And so when I see people that are now my colleagues and think I loved that teacher, it wasn't because I remember the lesson or I even remember the subject, right? That that go-to teacher statement, which is like, you remember how you feel, not necessarily like what they taught you, right? And so I always remember that, like, if I'm really going to have an impact on these kids, it's not about the, the content comes second to the environment that we build. And those are the teachers I remember and the teachers I love. And I think that's a really good way to kind of like center myself when I'm approaching a student interaction or getting ready for the new year and think like, okay, those teachers that I really loved, did I love Val because I love chemistry? Like, sure, to some extent, but I loved chemistry because she made me feel smart and excited and curious and all those things that we want. And same with Simos, right? Yeah. And same with Sullivan and AP Psych and all of those great teachers it's not the subject. And so kids always ask me in class, like, what was your favorite subject? And it wasn't that I loved one subject. I loved teachers. And they got me excited because they created that environment that made me want to learn, but also just want to be there every day. And, yeah. and I think that's such a good reminder. And I think it's important, too, like for us as all former students here, you're not necessarily in this building, but 
I remember walking through the halls and having those snapshots of memories of how I felt on a particular day and you're not having a great day and you bring, you know, an attitude into the classroom. And it's good for me to remember as a teacher, like, oh, I, I was sitting right there in that very seat. And I remember, you know, not having a great day. And I can then try to understand and maybe be more open-minded with some of the students because I was literally in their position. And I often say to parents on parent night that I think at least for us, it offers us, a, I think maybe sometimes a different perspective than other teachers in here. We know what the pressures were like in Hopkinton and what the expectations are and what that does to the mind of a student. They put a lot of pressure on themselves. They have these expectations and we can kind of help guide them and nurture them in appropriate ways because we've been in their shoes. So for me, it's been almost 25 years. For the both of you, it's been over 10. What's something that we have here in the school now that we didn't have then that you're kind of feeling like, oh, that would have been cool if we had that around. It could be something tangible like MacBooks, or maybe it's something a little more nebulous like a, uh, a club or, or I don't know, a feel. I'm curious if I, any of you have uh, thoughts on it. I'll go first just because I'll let you think about that. I just popped the question on you. I just can't believe the change in education from uh, 25 years ago where we had no internet access as a student. <laughs> you know, there was no dial-up even in the early 90s. And now every kid has a fully charged MacBook that, you know, we our Wi-Fi is, is have plenty of bandwidth, right? You can go anywhere. I mean, I remember going to the library and there'd be literally like one book on the topic of study. And it was a game to see who could get to the library quick enough to get the book so we could get it copied and, and be able to write your report. And and that alone, just the information change is mind-blowing from a standpoint of what a student has at their fingertips, right? I mean, my grandmother had an encyclopedia set in Natick, so we would drive out there to use it to research some of the stuff that was going on in our classes. And you think about that as, and of course, that was a different time, but uh, not that long ago, yeah, right? I mean, crazy. we're not talking about 100 years. We're talking about less than 25 yeah. years. So that to me, and I, I certainly, I think um, the, it's a tool, not a tool obviously the computer but uh, it does change the way education works so I think that would have been cool to have studied in high school with, with that type of information access I think I look at it now and I'm so impressed and also jealous of the business and technology offerings um, I don't remember having access to any engineering classes. I didn't know what engineering was in high school necessarily um, and things like computer science now that I have students that are you know, leaps and bounds past where I am. And they'll ask me questions be like, almost none of the teachers in the school have computer science backgrounds. So it's so great. I think we're giving kids that opportunity at a young age. And that feels like such an area of the future where a lot of our best and brightest students who are really gonna make impacts on the world, I really want them to think about engineering just to have an idea of how we solve problems. And so that's such a great creative science, math, art all together. Um, and I think Doug Scott and that whole department have done such a great job in, in Kirsten. So. Um, that's a really exciting kind of budding area of Hobby in High School that I think even in the last five years, just even being here as a teacher has changed pretty dramatically. With so many large companies, particularly Dell EMC, around, like we should have technology and engineering Absolutely. as a big part of our experience. Yeah. That's where many of our students will find themselves working in one way or the other in that industry. So to give them the foundational knowledge, I agree. I think it's um, it's cool. And I similarly, I think it teaches a lot. Like engineering is about a process, right? Yeah. You have a problem, you try to solve it. It probably isn't going to solve the first time. You go back, revisit it. And just having that as a mindset of growth, right, yeah. as, as, a, as a human being and as a learner, I think really no matter what subject you're studying, being able to be confident that that's the deal 
is important for our students to have. Along those lines, if we view this more of a very liberal arts education, we're trying to expose you to the many facets of the world beyond high school. Having engineering as part of that education, it's like the general curriculum in a lot of ways. We're demystifying it. You know, we're teaching you literature, we're teaching you about all of the human history that we know, and then we're teaching you kind of how the world works. And you're, that's just a part of now the base of the education that the students then carry forward mm -hmm. with them. We're not looking at it like it's super specialized that only certain people get to be engineers or chemists and things like that. It's like, no, this is all for everybody. And you get to pick the parts of the education that you want to pursue. But we're going to teach you about all the things. And having engineering now as part of that, I think, is awesome. That there, it's a you know, department, it's a growing field. And then all of the many avenues that come off of engineering, science, technology, and, and all that stuff. Uh, my, my biggest, um, if I could go back and then change something, add something to uh, our experience, it would be how open the school is in terms of the world, uh, what the students have access to. In terms of the, edu you know, the education with technology, but I remember, I don't know how many you would have had. School trips, we had one, I think maybe two that I knew of one to Italy, and then some kids went to Mexico, I think it was, on a school trip. But in my, my high school, four years, I only knew of two school trips. And I really felt as a student, I was in a little bubble, as they are. But the school does so much more now to break kids outside of that bubble, give them opportunities to go to China, go to Greece, go to mm -hmm. parts of Europe, go to Ecuador, all of these different opportunities multiple times per year, you know, and multiple times throughout high school, there's a Mandarin program. There are clubs that embrace diversity. So we, we now give the kids who are sheltered in, you know, in a bubble, which is great and wonderful in some ways, but we give them the opportunities to break out, which I definitely needed as a student. Well, it's funny you mention that because I was a chaperone on the trip to China two years ago and I posted on Facebook like a picture of my passport, like heading to China with HHS. And I'm certainly friends with a lot of uh, former students, some of which I haven't seen in a while. And they were like, what? Yeah. Hopkinton High School is going to China? Yeah. Like, that is nuts. And uh, to your point, like that just wasn't something that was wasn't happening that. for us. And, you know, our world is getting smaller, right? So it's even more critical that we create opportunities for our students to learn about other places other than just reading in a book right and so we do have an international program we have 20 some odd students that come every year I think that that helps right um, but our world is shifting and if we aren't getting out in front of learning about these different places and, and where people are coming from what their wants and needs are then I feel like we run the risk of missing out on some great opportunities and creating more peace for sure so but my freshman year of college I took computer science I took Mandarin because I was thinking I might want to study abroad in Hong Kong. That was something that I thought when I got to UMass. That's our, you can now do, you can start that your sophomore year of, yeah. or even freshman year of high school. So that they're now four years ahead of me in just that one aspect, which then if you magnify that, they're so much further ahead. Like you, yeah. like you mentioned in so many other aspects, we're offering a college experience in many ways to uh, 15-year-old, which I think is phenomenal. Cool stuff. So we're coming to the end of our podcast. We are, It's interesting that we have many other teachers here in the building who are also Hopkins High grads, so I think we're going to kind of revisit these conversations yes. with different generations. You know, Sarah Ellum <laughs> and Jen Fairbanks were more mid to uh, late 80s and mid 90s and so on and, and Pat O'Brien and many others, but uh, I enjoyed our, our time together. I thought we'd end with if you had some memory from high school you thought was funny or did you have a superlative in the yearbook about yourself that you could share and just kind of any last thoughts 
that you had about your time here as a student that the listeners might get a kick out of. I know that in my yearbook, one of the, I, I was two superlatives, most school spirit, and um, most likely to be missed. And I guess Aww. it's kind of cool that although people thought of that, uh, of course, there wasn't a big voting participation, <laughs> I don't think. So, but it's cool to have come back. I'm Very glad. Accurate. Yeah, Very I'm accurate. glad that I, I didn't uh, miss this place for too long. So that that's kind of a fun part of this uh, deal. I was voted most likely to be a townie. And now here I am teaching at Hopkinton High School. I don't live in the town currently, but I'm here most hours of the day. Yeah, like I still live in Hopkinton. My family still lives in Hopkinton. I celebrate all my holidays in Hopkinton. Go down to the spoon and up cook down in Hopkinton. Absolutely. I, you know, I'm going to be working there on the weekend. So I still love the community. At the time, my sister, my cousins, they had all won most likely to be a townie, you know, and I am glad that I earned that title for my senior class. I don't know if it was necessarily seen as a uh, as a compliment, but I, <laughs> I certainly now appreciate that I was associated with Hopkinton and Hopkinton High School. Cool. I was uh, most athletic, which nice. is uh, feels very far away with a, a small <laughs> child at home, and my my athletic days feel like a lifetime ago. But my dad would be thrilled that I can maybe drop some stats about my basketball high school career. He's still my number one fan. Um, but it definitely captured, I think, that high school sports were a huge part of my experience here. And when I think back to my favorite memories, it was with my teammates and on the court and with Coach Bliss. And um, I loved sports here. And nothing rivals the feeling of being on a high school sports team. It's been so nice chatting with you this morning. And we hope that the audience enjoys uh, a little bit of a uh, look into who we are and where we came from and why Hopkinton is such a special place. So we'll turn it back to you, Evan. Thanks, and have a great weekend, everyone. Thank Bye. Thank you, Josh, Brian, and Kristen. Really engaging discussion about your time growing up here in Hopkinton and what life is like now here up on the hill at HHS. We hope you all enjoyed the discussion. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss or someone you'd like us to interview, please reach out to us. We'd love to incorporate that into our next podcast. But for now, thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day, and go Hillers.